Wreaking havoc. Wreaking havoc. News, interviews, and more. We just reek of Huntsville Havoc Hockey. Well, we're back with another Wreaking Havoc podcast. I'm Tim Lambert. On this week's episode, we'll hear from former left-wing Kyle Sharkey. Laura Pitts was able to pin him down for our In the Slot segment, and we'll get his story coming up next. The Reekin' Havoc Podcast. Got something to say? Put it on a t-shirt, or hoodie, or apron, or even an iPhone case. Just go to DaddyO'sCustomTees.com and make it happen. Look through their selection of ready-made designs or make one of your own. Check out their special hockey designs, too. With Daddy-O's Custom Tees, you can truly have it your way. Look for Daddy-O's Custom Tees on Facebook, follow them on Twitter or Instagram, or go online to DaddyO'sCustomTees.com. That's D-A-D-D-Y-O-S, Custom, T-E-E-S.com. Daddy-O's Custom Tees, they've got your back or front. Let's go in the slot. Welcome back to another In the Slot segment this week. I'm Laura Pitts, and today we have former Havoc player Kyle Sharkey with us. Kyle played four seasons of the Havoc before retiring at the end of the albeit abrupt 2019-2020 season, and he was part of the back-to-back SBHL championship teams with the Havoc. He is a former collegiate player at the University of Wisconsin-Stevens Point, where he served as both the team captain and was part of a championship team there as well. He also played for the NAHL Topeka Roadrunners, now the Amarillo Wranglers, from 2010 to 2013. Um, A franchise that he still is the all-time leading scorer um, with 129 career points, 55 goals, 74 assists, and all of that, guys, win 159 games. Um, so we're really excited to have him here today with us. He's currently the assistant coach of the Minot Minotaurs in North Dakota. Kyle, welcome to the show. Welcome to talk to us. We're glad to have you back on our Havoc podcast this week. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, so what's life been like now that you are, um, I guess, all grown up now, not playing hockey, but coaching hockey? What have you been up to lately? Yeah, it's busy. Um Got my my three year old running around, so she she keeps us busy, obviously. Um, and then, yeah, other than that, just got in the coaching side of it last year. Um, I had a blast uh, coaching coaching the players at you know the age group from seventeen, so sixteen to twenty, um, sixteen to twenty year olds. So I really enjoyed uh, coaching that age group last year, um, and and had a blast with with it being my first year doing it. So. Well, we're excited to talk to you about that today and also to dig into your Havoc history as well. You're a very beloved um, former player of the Havoc here in Huntsville. And so when we shared that we were having you come on, we had a lot of people that were very interested to hear from you again. Um, they all miss seeing you play, but we understand that the nature of the game is that you don't play forever. You step into different roles. So, um what we want to know really first off is, you know, how did you start in hockey? How did all this begin for you? Yeah, I started skating when I was two. Um, my dad and his side of the family's from Canada. Um, so they moved down to Oklahoma after my grandpa played a couple of years in the NHL back in the fifties for the Red Wings. Um, and yeah, just kind of was put on skates right away and, and fell in love with it and never Never looked back, I guess, after that. So, 
as a two-year-old, I just can't even imagine the fearlessness that kids have just getting out there on the ice um, and doing that. So that's been a long time. <laughs> yeah, well, that and I, I started trying to get my little one into skating, so I, I'm sure I owe my dad and grandpa a little bit of apologies because I'm sure their backs were given out too, trying to hold me up. So you paying paying for your raisins, what we call it down here in the yeah. south. <laughs> So, um, what are your earliest memories of being on the ice? You said you started when you were two, but what what can you really remember um, being a kid learning this game? Yeah, just my dad was my dad. And my grandpa was one of my coaches for forever, basically. Um, so I just remember going on road trips and all that. Uh, you know, being on the road, usually in somewhere in Dallas or something like that, and. Um, playing many sticks in the hallway of the hotel room or of the hotel, uh, you know, early morning wake ups, getting dressed in the house, going and showing up at the rink at 6am, you know? Um, yeah, I guess that's pretty much the youth hockey side of it. It was just the, the road trips and, and the youth program that I was with, you know, everyone was really close and still are close to this day. So it's, it's kind of, Kind of cool. You grow up with players like that and st- keep in touch all, you know, all the time. So, well, and then at some point you move from youth on up, you had like something happened in your life where you're like, Hey, I think I might want to keep playing hockey. I want to keep doing that. So what kind of kept you in the hockey game? Um, you could have, you know, chosen a lot of different avenues, but you really stick with hockey. Yeah. It's just, I think for me, it's, it's been in my family for, for a long, long time. And for me, it was something that I just, I fell in love with right away. And, um, you know, I wanted to climb the ladder as high as I could. Um, and I just, the competitive side of the game, you know, I, I'm a pretty competitive person, I'd say. So just the compete level of the game just really kind of sucks you in and, and you get addicted to it. So, and, and that's, uh, that's kind of what kept driving me to keep chasing it. And, um, you know, I was fortunate with where, where it all paid off at. So. So tell us a little bit about how that climbing the ladder journey has been for you um, when you've really started um, your first NHL team, NAHL team. Lord, I'm going to butcher that this entire time. Um, Tell us a little bit about, you know, moving from there, you played in college, eventually you end up in the Havoc, then you're coaching. Tell us a little bit about how that journey kind of came about for you. Yeah, like I I was fortunate to really only spend time with, you know, one, one program at each level, like the, in Topeka, um, you know, I, I was I was able to spend three years there and really grow as a as a person and and as a hockey player. Um, and then, you know, from there going on to to Stevens Point, like I was able to take it, you know, another step further. Had a really great coach there and Chris Brooks, um, you know, who really in the four years that we spent together there, like I our relationship's really good. You can call him any day and, and uh, he'll answer. Um, just learned a lot more as a hockey player there too. Um, and then obviously getting to, to Huntsville was, was one of the best, best places to spend the four or five years I did there. Like it was, it's awesome from, from Glenn, Stu to, you know, Keith and Becky and, and everybody else, like the guys that, you know, played with and all that. Mm-hmm. We were able to create some really awesome memories there, and 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 we were able to do some st- um, some special stuff together. So, you just said this phrase um, that I have heard other hockey players say, 
about their experiences learning the game over their lifetime. And it's this idea of growing as a hockey player. Explain what you mean by growing as a hockey player at each level. Like what, what does that mean exactly? Yeah. Like every, every level is different and has its own unique challenges, I guess, to it. Like a lot of the time, you know, it's the, the pace of the game's faster. So you have to be able to think the game at a higher pace. Um, and then sometimes it's, it's strength. Like you're, you go from playing in junior where, you know, you're 17 to 20 years old. When you're the 20 year old, you're, you're the older, stronger guy. Mm-hmm. Then you got to go right into college. So you have to adapt your game to be able to, you know, when you get to college, be able to compete against the 25 year old man. Um, and then when you get to pro, like it, everything, it's out the window. Like everyone, <laughs> everyone's, you know, equally, equally, uh, talented there right um so so that's just kind of just growing as a player you know to me is just being able to adapt and add different assets to your game that makes you valuable um you know to to the team so and I wanted to ask you also about I know we're going to talk about your championship time with the Havoc um but you played on one in college you were on a championship team in college so how how was how is college hockey different from um, getting to, I guess, to the semi-professional, professional league. Yeah, it's. I mean, obviously, you have the school aspect to it, so your your days are are very structured as far as practice goes, and then you have your your classes and whatnot. Um, it's a different style of game too. It's a lot more chip and charge, like up and down the ice. Um, where the pro style of game, you know, you you have the time and space gets taken away, but you, there's a lot more plays being made you know, more hockey players being made and guys are more skilled at that level and all that too. So um, to me, that's kind of where the difference is. Like just kind of, you know, two different styles of hockey really. So. What do you remember back from your college years of being on that championship team or that win? (laughs) Um, That you can share. (laughs) I I was lucky enough to do it with, with Max Milosek and then uh, Tanner Cardi, um, you know, so that was pretty cool. And Jacob Barber, who who came to Huntsville after I was done, but like being able to to win it with guys like that, and then stay, you know, really close with them, keep in touch, and then be able to play professionally with them afterwards, like that was really cool. Um, that was a really cool side of it. Um, but no, I just remember just our how resilient our group was. Being able to just look around the room knowing you're going to get the best out of the So that also leads me to wondering, when did you have this moment when you realized that maybe hockey was not just a pastime or something fun to do? Maybe it was something you wanted to turn into a career. So, like, I, I moved away from home at, at 15. I went to Colorado Springs um, and played AAA out there because we didn't have AAA in, in Oklahoma. and. I think it was probably about two years before that. So like 13, I, it, it clicked and really started putting in a lot of work to, you know, be able to be at the top of my game, you know, as, as I climb, you know, through, through the, through the ranks. So. So how did you end up in Huntsville? That's the big question. You, you, we all, all somehow you guys are always out here in the ether doing all this wonderful hockey stuff. And then it all ends and culminates down here in the rocket city. So how, what was your journey to Huntsville like? Yeah. So I got a phone call 
right after our last game was was played and Stevens Point, uh, we got beat out in the Elite Eight of the playoffs. Um, and my phone rang that night, that night, and uh, it was Jesse Kalecki gave me a call and um, you know just said, "Hey, are you looking to play? You know, we'd like to have you in Huntsville." And you know, so it was pretty quick after that. I ended up coming down for I think I played seven games and then then played the playoffs too. So I was able to stick around. So, and then once you get, get a taste of Huntsville, it's just, you're, you're, that's where you want to be. So um, it's a great place to be and, and play and, and great people all throughout the organization. So that's it wasn't what, every, a, what everyone says is you get a taste and you don't want to leave. It's like everybody hands down says that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a special place. That's for sure. Um, so what kept you here so long then? You mean you stayed, you you decided that when I'm gonna end my career doing this this way, I'm gonna end it here in Huntsville. Yeah, I just I I think it's the relationships and, and everything that you know we built over our time together there in Huntsville. Like um you know, like like Nolan Kaiser is one of my one of my better friends. Um Tyler Piacentini, like you know, those guys you, you go and, you know, you, you battle with every night. And then, you know, it's just, I don't know. I, I think the relationships is what really kept, keeps people there and, and how, how you're treated and, and knowing that, you know, you can call anybody, whether it's now and they're still going to answer the phone. You're still going to have an awesome conversation. Like, it's just we just had something really special where everyone generally cared and loved each other. And, and that's, that's easy to make decisions like that and stay in Huntsville and all that stuff. So. And then um, COVID kind of curtailed some stuff and the 2019, 2020 season kind of was up in shambles, so to speak. And then you made the decision to retire. So talk, tell us a little bit about that and your decision to do that. And, yeah, it was it was tough. I mean, it, it wasn't the the way I envisioned it um, ending. But you know, we had our daughter Shay. She was born the Wednesday, I believe, like before the season got shut down on the Friday. So, like, I was in the hospital with them. Then I went to practice, and that was that was really tough. Um, you know, felt like a zombie. Then I, so I was going back and forth and then, um, yeah, the season got shut down on that Friday. I think we're supposed to play Macon. Um, and you know, it kind of took the summer. Everything was in limbo. You didn't know when they're, we were going to start up again. Um, you know, were we even going to start up again? So, you know, having a little one at home, I was like, Oh, I got to get a job and ended up getting into a decent job there. And, um, just, longer it went on the the more i just you know thought it was time to to make a decision to be done so and but you didn't stay done forever <laughs> <laughs> i think we're pretty much done forever now <laughs> but now you are in this assistant coach role um so you've kind of taken on a new experience in hockey one that's not necessarily you doing all of the actual playing, but coaching the playing. So tell us a little bit about that experience that you're having right now as an assistant coach. Yeah. it's So I spent two years, well, a year and a half away from the game. Um, 
and it's something that you just miss and it just eats at you. So I wanted to get back into it. Just love being just around like-minded people, um, you know, and, and, and helping young players develop and, and chase their goal too. So, um, I just, that's something I've always wanted to do. I've always said when I'm done playing, I'm going to coach. It just took a little bit longer than I expected it to, to, to find a, to find a home and, and be able to be in a position to, to make that move. And cause it's a risk, obviously, right. There's so, um, had to, had to wait just a little bit to, to get in that position where we felt comfortable enough to, to take a chance on it. So. So how did you end up in North Dakota? How did that whole happen? Whole situation happen? Uh, just threw my name out um, to a couple of previous coaches I've played for. Said, "Hey, I'm looking to get into, into coaching. You know what? Uh, what's the advice? What's the best way to go about it? How how do we get the ball rolling?" Well, that led to the head coach of of Minot. I met him when I moved out to Colorado Springs. So he happened to be looking for an assistant coach. And then that kind of whole thing just started rolling and did the interview and was, was able to, to get hired. (laughs) And (laughs) I learned a lot from, from my time there for sure. So it was, uh, it was definitely an enjoyable experience this year. Um, And so that also, I wonder what is the mindset you, that you change into as a coach from when you're a player? Because up until now, you've only been told what to do on the ice, so to speak. And now you're in the role of helping to tell people how to play the game, how to make themselves better. So how have you changed up that mindset for yourself? Yeah, I don't think it's more like it's so much telling. I think it's like asking, hey, what do you think uh, if we tried this? You know, like what are, what are your thoughts on it? You know, so not so much telling them to do something, um, but kind of having open feedback. And, and then at the end of the day, obviously you have the, the final decision. So, but the way you go about it, creating relationships. Um, and I, I don't know, I think the first couple games this year was tough for me to kind of, okay, I, I'm not, I'm not playing. I, I can't control everything, you know? Um, so you had to really kind of, kind of learn that side of it. Um, so I was still fired up and, and treated it like I was playing, but you, you can't do that. You know, you gotta be calm and, and level-headed and, and all that stuff. So, um, so yeah, that, that took a little bit to, to learn that you just can't, you can't control everything and, um, you, you have to let them play at times. So. So what's being on this coaching side of hockey taught you that you didn't know before about the game? Have you learned anything new? Um, or a new perspective? I, yeah, I don't know. That's a tough one. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, there's a couple different like power play sets and stuff like that, that I've never ran that I've kind of learned, but, um, you know, really just the, the amount that goes into it on the backside of things like that's, like everybody sees, oh, it's just hockey, but there's so much more that goes into it on the on the administration side of things and, and business side of things that you're like, holy, you know, that's I didn't know that was there. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not just showing up to play the game. There's a yeah, lot that goes so, into getting you there. Like, so I think that, like, knowing that now, you know, I I appreciate what you know every everybody every organization I've been a part of has done because 
you know, they, that's a lot of time and effort to make sure everything's running smooth and, and there's people in the stands. So, um, just, I think I'm a little bit more appreciative of, of where I've come from. So. And in those players that you see, um, do you ever see visions of your younger self in them? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. How does that come uh, in? I don't know. It's kind of funny. Like just like I was a gritty player. Um, so you kind of, I don't know. I always talk to myself on the bench. So also he's talking to myself and they make the play and they're like, yeah, I saw that too. So like, you know, I don't know. It's it's kind of cool because I feel like those are the guys that you can really, you know, kind of t- latch onto and, and really, you know, pour yourself into them. And, and they're probably going to be respect re- receptive of it because they're somewhat similar to, to what my mindset was, right? We'll be back with more of the Recon Havoc podcast. This is a true sad story for ADT, the leader in home security systems. My favorite dog, Oliver, was stolen from our garage recently. If I had a camera system installed in my home from ADT, I would have known exactly what car possibly pulled up in my driveway and stole my little friend. If I had a security system from ADT, my dog would still be here. I called ADT this weekend and they're coming out in a few days to install a camera and a new security system. Unfortunately, it's a little too late for me. Listen, protect everyone you love in your family. Call ADT now. Have them come out and give you a quote to install a full security system in your home. Don't let it be too late for you. Call right now. Paid for by the Home Security Hotline. 800-200-6543. That's 800-200-6543. This is Dominic Procopio, and you're listening to the Region Habit Podcast. You played with Tyler, and now he is um, stepping out of his role as a player into an assistant coach. Um, we can see a pattern now developing in, with Huntsville, former Huntsville people. Um, so my question is, what kind of advice would you give Tyler, your former teammate, who is now stepping into an assistant coach role? Yeah, um, just can't control everything, and and patience is a virtue. So (laughs) keep your nose down and work hard. I love that perspective, though, that you can't control it. Like you can, you can see what you guys are out there doing, and you might could in your head think of a hundred different ways that you would have done it or how it could have ended differently. But you, it's out of your control. You you have no control over that. So I find that perspective very interesting from you. Yeah. Yeah, it's that's one of the hardest things that this side of the job is because you want to, <laughs> you know, the only control you have is Monday through Thursday and practices and that's that's it. But once once the game goes like you control who you put out there, but you don't control the outcome of any play. So what do you do as a coach when you know you cannot change or control any of that, but then you get to go in and do the coaching part? You to go in on Monday and reflect. You, you've reflected, I guess, on what has happened, and then you've got to go in and and move the team forward and do that. How do you kind of step into that area too? Yeah, I think it's a lot of like video is a big part of it. Like individual video, you'll you'll have guys come in and do video with you, and like you clip those exact plays that you would have done something different, or, or you know, and then you talk through it with them and try to 
try to teach them kind of, okay, well, here's your option one, option two, option three. Well, what's your best option in this scenario right now, you know, and kind of talk to them and try and just help grow that, the, the hockey IQ side of it. Um, but, but yeah, that's, that's really the only way you can go about it. So. I just love that perspective of I can't control this. So, and I'm not playing. I can only imagine you not jumping off the bench during those. Games. <laughs> it's hard not to, you want to sometimes, but. Um, so you're in a place now where you're married, you have a child. How do you balance dad life and hockey coach life? Uh, it's challenging, but you know, I, my wife does a, does an amazing job. Um, I don't know how she does it. She's a she's a stay at home mom, but also a full time employee for another company. So she's got two jobs of working full time and then having Shay with her at home while she's working, and still keeps everything in order. So I, I, I'm lucky. I don't know how she does it, but she does, and, and I'm <laughs> thankful for that. So, um, how has hockey changed over the years? How do you think the game has evolved and changed? Yeah, I, I don't, I mean, I think it's just been such more emphasis on skills, like skill-based uh, stuff. Like the, the players now are, there's so much more skilled than they were when I was growing up and playing. Like no one in in their mind ever thought about really doing the Michigan, picking it up on your stick and tucking it in the top corner. And now you see it all the time. So now every kid is highly skilled, but I, I think it's, it's faster, but it's not as, um, it's not as heavy mm-hmm. as it used to be. Um, if that makes sense. So I, th- I think just the speed and the skill set side of things is just really sped the game up and, and made it really enjoyable and fun to watch too. Every, everyone that I asked that question to talks about speed that the speed has just increased tremendously in the game. Um, Billy talked about that, about being able to watch that from an equipment manager's point of view, that things are just faster now in hockey than they used to be. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of it comes from like, obviously the the equipment a long way. Uh, There's more emphasis on, on the training side of it as far as off ice work and all that. And then I think the rules being the changing of, of some rules and all that too. Like, mm-hmm. you know, back in the day you could, you could clutch and grab and now you can't anymore. So now you got to be able to skate with the guy and, um, you know, the two line pass that was taken out. So now it's wide open. You can hit stretch passes and spring guys for breakaways. And so that's sped up the game too. But I, I think just a lot of it comes from the, the emphasis on the training side of it. And then obviously the, the equipment being, being better than what it was before. So, <laughs> so I'm going to transition into some of our fan questions um, that are about being a Havoc player. And um, so I've kind of saved those for now, but um, people wanted to know what your most memorable experiences were as a habit, if you could talk about them. But then also on the other hand, I've got questions related to, do you have any really good stories? That was the funny thing someone posted on our Facebook group. I bet Kyle has lots of really good stories of being a Havoc player. So I wanted to see if you could reflect on that time and tell us something really interesting in the process. Um, well, obviously the the most memorable memories that I have are the two years we went back to back and won. Um, 
that was really awesome to be able to do it with, you know, the same group of guys and core group of guys the second year. Um, and that, that's something that, you know, you're, you're bonded for life at that point. Um, so yeah, those are, those are my two most memorable memories for sure is one doing it on the road in Peoria and then doing it at home was, was really cool in front of yeah, everyone. Yeah. Cool. How was that experience winning in someone else's arena? <laughs> it, it was awesome. Like It's obviously really awesome, but I think the coolest thing about that side of it was like, okay, so now we get to go spend 10 hours on a bus together with, with everyone with this, this trophy, like it was, it was really cool because everyone was like, we're together. We're, there was no distractions. We were, we were locked in a bus. So, uh, you know, that was after we celebrated a little bit in, in Peoria, but we got back on the bus and the bus ride home was, was a lot of fun. So a 10 hour celebration, basically. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then winning at home, we beat Birmingham that year, which is a big deal. Um, so that's always, that's always a, a good one. And so I thought that was just really funny. Everybody really wanted to know about what your experiences were playing with the Havoc. I'm surprised you've not given us a story of sleeping on Coach uh, Glenn's, Glenn's couch, because it seems like that's also been a funny thing amongst most players on their first first visit down into Huntsville that they stay over at Coach's house for some reason. <laughs> yeah. No, I've never stayed over at his house, so. <laughs> so. Um, that one was funny. Okay, so somebody else wanted to know, what do you miss most about being in Huntsville or the Huntsville area? I think it's just the people, um, you know, being able to stop in and see, well, see everyone every day, you know, like that's, I think that's the the biggest thing is just the, the people, um, you know, even like going to the grocery store, running into fans and all that. Like, it's just, just really a nice place to be, you know? So, um, yeah, I think that's what I miss most about it is, is just the people down there. Okay. So another person wanted to know if you have, can think of any memorable fights that you were a part of as a habit player, any good ones? I was a part of a few. That you're willing to, that you're willing to talk about. I mean, you didn't instigate any of that, I assume. No, never. I, I don't know. Like that, it was just part of the game. I, things had to be done at some point and you know um i just i was willing to do those things so. <laughs> <laughs> um so you mentioned a little bit about your daughter and i'm so I'm curious are you you're already getting her used to the rink how is this going are we is she skating now are you you see a hockey player what are you what are you looking at with that <laughs> i don't know she she's been on the ice three times so each time she's gotten better and and enjoys it a little bit more. So, so we'll see. We'll see what uh, what comes of that. But hey, you might be a, you might be a hockey coach dad one day. So. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, but she she loves going to the rink. She loves um, she loves the mascot. I think that's why she goes to the game so she can see the mascot and then get dipping dots. But um, yeah, she she enjoys going to the rink. So. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, and then finally, what are you watching on television and binging? What are you listening to? What are some things that those of us should be interested in? Well, I, I, I'm a big Outer Banks guy um, okay. and Yellowstone, big Yellowstone guy. 
Um, so those are, those are my go-to shows. Uh, and I'm a huge 90 countries guy, like all of them, 90s country. That's, that's what I listen to on Spotify. And so I listen to in the car. So that's, that's my go-to. I gotcha. I gotcha. Uh, well, Kyle, we really appreciate you stopping by and chatting with us a little bit and sharing your story. When you look back on your life years from now and you look back on your time as a Havoc player, um, what do you think will, what do you think you'll take the most with you? I just think the relationship side of it, um, you know, just going back and like, you can think back in your mind, like I can still see the look on, on guys' faces when, you know, we did something pretty awesome. Right. So I think I'll take that with me and, and just the emphasis on being a good person. Um, you know, you don't do, you don't win like we did there. If, if you don't, if you're not surrounded by good people. Um, so and that's, that's what, what we had. And, and we were, we were lucky enough to be successful with that. So. I hear that a lot. That that culture is the the key to a lot of the success in the in yeah. the. Yep, it, it is hundred percent. So. Uh, well, thank you. Thank you so much for stopping by chatting with us really quickly. Um, you told me in one of our mini messages that you're headed to the rink. You got to practice tonight. What is that? How does that work? Yeah, so I'm actually uh, just running some like skill session stuff. So I got to go to the rink and and do that um and yeah you, you guys will be seeing me pretty soon well good 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 we we really appreciate your time um you're a very beloved havoc player so even though you're a former havoc player you were always to us in Huntsville be one of us so we we really appreciate your time and um all that hard work and that dedication that you put into the team has not gone unnoticed especially when we we shared that we were going to have you on a lot of people really excited because they really loved watching you play so that even years years later you've not been on the ice and people still still miss seeing you out there (laughs) yeah yeah well that's awesome I I don't know. I appreciate everything Huntsville has done for, for myself and my family and, and just the atmosphere that the fans created. That was, it's unforgettable. So that's, uh, it's definitely a special place and will always be a special place in my heart. So. Well, thank you again for your time and a big thank you to everyone who has been out there listening to this podcast. Um, we have really enjoyed bringing you different stories, different sides of the Havoc story um, to your um, airwaves every week on Thursday. So we really appreciate you doing that. We hope you've enjoyed our In the Slot chat today with former Havoc player Kyle Sharkey. So until next time, stay sharp in the slot and keep reeking of Huntsville Havoc hockey. Look for Reekin Havoc on Facebook and follow Reekin Havoc AL on Instagram and Twitter. You can also hear episodes on your Amazon Echo device by saying, Alexa, play the Reekin Havoc podcast. The Reekin Havoc podcast. Every 40 seconds, a child goes missing somewhere in the U.S. You can help in the effort to find missing kids simply by donating your car or boat to Find the Children, a nonprofit organization dedicated to returning missing children to their families. Find the Children works closely with national and community agencies and organizations and helps distribute flyers and posters that are directly responsible for recovering missing kids. Your car or boat donation helps protect and recover children in every state and community by 
sponsoring child safety and recovery programs. For fast, free pickup, call anytime, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Running or not, your car, truck, van, RV, or boat will be towed away free of charge. Fast, free pickup, plus it's tax deductible. Everyone wins when you donate your car or boat to find the children. Call right now. 800-466-8813. 800-466-8813. That's 800-466-8813. Defenseman Dominic Procopio marks the second signing for the Havoc for the upcoming season. Procopio returns for his third year with the team, totaling three goals and 32 assists so far in his 106 games in Huntsville. He made the all-SPHL second team last season. Half and quarter season tickets are now on sale. Go online to HuntsvilleHavoc.com and click on the Tickets tab. College interns are needed for next season to fill sports administration and sports media positions. For more information, go to HuntsvilleHavoc.com to the Contact Us tab and click on Internships. The 2023 Showcase Camp will be July 28th through 30th at the Huntsville iSports Center. Cost is $300. Sign-up link is online at HuntsvilleHavoc.com. Just click on the tab in the main menu. And updated office hours for the summer are Monday through Thursday, 10 a.m. till 4 p.m. through August 4th. Then beginning August 7th, that goes to weekdays from 10 till 6 until September 1st. Then from September 5th through the end of the season, it will be from 9 a.m. till 6 p.m. Join the Huntsville Havoc Booster Club and help support the team and staff and promote the sport of hockey in Huntsville. Go online to HavocBoosters.org for more information. The Reek and Havoc Podcast. How would you like to save money on nearly all your prescription drugs? We've set up a special toll-free number for the RX Outreach Program. They're a nonprofit company whose mission it is to make prescription drugs more affordable to the masses. They don't take insurance, and in many cases, your prescriptions are even cheaper than your co-pays. They carry thousands of different prescription drugs, so whatever you're taking, there's a good chance they have it. No coupons are required, and this is not a discount card. It is pure savings on your prescription drugs. They specialize in generic meds for any chronic health needs you have. Call with your prescription and find out for free how little you can pay for your prescription drugs. Remember, we don't take insurance, so call right now. 800-586-9885-800-586-9885-800-586-9885. That's 800-586-9885. For tickets, official Huntsville Havoc merchandise, and more, go to HuntsvilleHavoc.com. Visit our website at ReekinHavoc.com, look for us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and listen, follow, and subscribe to the Recon Havoc podcast on your favorite platform to keep up with the only weekly podcast covering the Huntsville Havoc, the Recon Havoc podcast.